Welcome to the Work Hard, Play Hard podcast. My name is Rob Murgatroyd, and I'm a former doctor turned lifestyle entrepreneur. Each week, I interview some of the best minds on the planet on the science of achievement and the art of fulfillment. Come take this journey with me. Excuses are over. It's time to live. You need to come up with one product to start becoming profitable. The biggest mistake and pitfalls that I've seen is so many people being spread too thin in their ideas. If you're challenged with something, whether it's going to the gym, whether it's reading daily, whether it's building your business, whatever it is, if you're once you make a true decision, the other stuff just falls away. You're worth being happy. So go start pursuing something that you want to do. Literally, if it's just a few hours a day and like, okay, where are you going to find it? Wake up earlier. Wake up earlier. I wake up in the fours and fives every day to figure it out. What's up, everybody? This is Rob Murgatroyd, and welcome to another episode of the Work Hard, Play Hard show. This episode features Nick Harder. You can find him on Instagram and elsewhere at nharder.com one, the number one. So I wanted to have Nick on the show because he is an expert in executing with a heart. He has guided me through the years with everything from setting up my website to automating hundreds of thousands of dollars in income through his genius marketing strategies. But He's taught me so much more than just marketing. He's taught me about consistency, how to be there for other people, no matter how busy you are. I wanted to share his mind and mostly his heart with you. You're going to love him. But before we get into my interview with Nick, I have been going through your applications to join my Work Hard, Play Hard Mastermind. Spots are filling up quickly. If you're an entrepreneur, an executive, or a founder that wants to up-level your tribe, have fun experiences around the world, 10x your current business, or figure out what your next chapter in life looks like for you, my Work Hard, Play Hard mastermind just may be the fit. So come join us in 2019 in Boston, Monaco, and Italy. We are now more than half sold out. So if you want to be part of this with us, fill out an application, go to workhardplayhardmastermind.com. We'll jump on a call to see if you're a good fit for the group and if they're a good fit for you. Think of the mastermind as two parts. The first part is the trip itself. We'll be heading down to Boston and doing things like meeting with Tom Brady's trainer to learn how to improve the fitness part of your life using his pliability method, going to the south of France to do a vintage car ride through the French Riviera. And then we're going to wrap the year up with hot air ballooning over Florence, Italy, plus so much more. The second part is what goes on over the four days in the mastermind. Our group of 25 entrepreneurs will help you brainstorm and accelerate what you want to achieve in 2019. And we'll do that through a variety of exercises. So go to workhardplayhardmastermind.com, fill out an application. We'll jump on a call, see if you're a fit. Okay. Please enjoy this conversation I had with Nick Harder. Nick, welcome to the show. Hey, hey. I'm so excited to be here. You know what, man? I am super pumped that you're on the show. So thanks for taking the time. But here's the thing. The reason why I'm doing this is because the only way I can actually get you for an hour is to book a podcast with you. So 
this is the, this is the reason why I'm doing this. See, I'm not even really doing a podcast here. I just wanted to get you for a freaking hour. You are one busy man. You are a selfish guy. I tell you, look at you trying to steal my time. No, I'm just kidding. I'm super excited to be able to share whatever I can. And I know I uh, I think it's just I like to present that I'm busy, but I'm really just like playing with my dog. You just <laughs> really faking more. it. So I thought what we would do is we would cover a little bit about your background to give people some context about you and then dig into the kind of work that you're doing now and maybe you know, look at it through the lens of helping some budding or advanced influencers. And we'll just put quotes around the word influencers because everybody knows what that means with, you know, some strategies that, you know, may save them a lot of frustration as they're building their brands. And then we'll wrap it up with sort of the play hard part of your life. Cool? Okay. Sounds good. All right. Can you describe what it was like growing up in Wisconsin and maybe describe the kind of things you did with your parents, say from ages 10 to 15? Oh, gosh. Okay. So I grew up in small town Green Bay and it's about you know 100,000 people or so. And the weekends were... Now, Rob, you don't really know this, but football is kind of big. Most of the people who are listening to this podcast know that I, if you're new to this podcast, I know nothing about sports and he's giving me a really hard time about that. But but yes, I do know that there's something <laughs> called football. Just a little jab. Uh, so yeah, obviously Green Bay Packers, right? Uh, the best team out there. Grew up walking to the games. Um, you know, They're a mile from our house, the stadium was. And so Sundays was like a ghost town in Green Bay. And it was always either going to the games or just watching the games. And it was a, always a family thing uh, for the most part, especially around like that age. It was always, you know, get the family together, uh, watch the games and just pig out on ridiculous amounts of food. It was, it was horrible. Did you have season passes? Oh my gosh, this is amazing. So no, grandma had four... Uh, now I'm a little shaky on the exact amount, but grandma had four season tickets to the um to the Packers for years, years and years and years. And one year she just didn't renew them. And if you know anything about, you know, the Packers and the waiting list for season tickets and stuff like that, it's like 70 some years long to even get tickets, right? So we don't have like a regular ticket window you can go to and buy tickets. It's just sold out indefinitely. And so season Wait a minute, tickets... I gotta, I'm sorry, I got to interrupt you. The entire stadium is sold out or just the season tickets are sold out? Uh, season tickets. And then there's, you know, they, they reserve some for like visiting fans and stuff. But you, the, you can't just walk up and get tickets at a ticket So if counter. I wanted to, if there's a game, if there's a game, I can't walk up and just say, hey, I want to go see this football game. It's not going to happen. <laughs> no, no, not you're at la- all. You're laughing at me. Okay, yeah, I had yeah. no idea. So like you, you, you just, you're not getting in. No, you're not. And so here's the here's the crazy thing, right? So not only are the tickets willable, the season tickets, like people literally pass them down through their will, through their bloodline. That's crazy in itself. But of the year that grandma turned in four tickets, six tickets were turned in total. So out of six tickets, she turned in four of them. That's how little amount... And, and that guy had like died or something and there was nobody around to take his tickets. So that's literally how rare it is that tickets come available, season tickets come become available. That's insane. Mm-hmm. That's freaking insane. Yeah, it's not. Okay. 
but you know, you and I can talk football all day. So I'm going to move on <laughs> to my to my next question. What, what did you think that you were going to be when you were in high school? I have this really funny memory. Memory. A memory. It's a new a word. Remember. A memory. Have you seen that movie? Um, oh, it's. I think it's called Rememory, and it's with Peter Dinklage, the uh, the. Little, little, the little can person. we call him a short guy? I feel bad. What do we? What do we? I'm a fucking short guy. Like I, that's okay, but I'm not. <laughs> we can, you know. I'm short too, so I, yeah. we're all short guys. Okay, but he's, so I love. Oh my god, I love Peter Dinklage. The dude's amazing. He's amazing, right? Does he have so, a British accent, by the way? Is that real? I believe so. Or, I don't think so. I think he's from he Southern California. No clue. Is he? I don't know. <laughs> I think he is. I th- I'm he just was, about positive. He was in this creepy movie called Rememory, and uh, I don't know. It was. Uh, it was. I caught it on a plane. It was plane worthy but it was decent anyway <laughs> sidetrack super clear memory and it's probably all made up but i remember in high school my brother is four and a half years five uh, school years ahead of me and so he, i'd go to like the basketball games and stuff like that in middle school and high school and his friends would be there and then and for some reason we were talking about oh what what do you want to be when you grow up and all i remember was saying oh i'm gonna be a business owner and probably in the same tone of voice too. I, 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 I want to be a business owner. And I had no clue what that was, uh, obviously, at that point. And it was either that or... Oh, uh, so in high school, the other thing I wanted to be... This is going to be really weird, is you probably didn't know this. An art teacher. And Can you draw or paint? Yeah, yeah. So I uh, in high school, I was... Every semester, every class, I would have, um, you know, every block of classes, I would have an art class of some sort. So it was either drawing or painting, or I can throw on a wheel, pottery, like all sorts like, of weird uh, what's stuff. The, what's the movie with Demi Moore? Dude, like it was Ghost? either me or Patrick Swayze. Is it Patrick Swayze in that? Uh, yeah, in yeah, Ghost. yeah. It was a toss up between us. Yeah. Yeah, you guys, you, I heard you both audition for it. So, pretty much. Oh, wait a minute. Let's go. I want to go back to the art for a second. So, can you draw like like a full like you know picture like with like yeah I don't know like trees and sun <laughs> and and ducks? Can you do that? I am like Bob Ross, the painter. That's the guy I was thinking of. Can you, <laughs> could, could you do like a Bob Ross picture, like no, that kind of vibe? You know, it would take me a while to. Uh, I wasn't that good. Um, but who is in high school? There was like with that one all star who was just like a freak. But I was decent, and uh, I just haven't I haven't picked up like a pencil to draw anything for years now. And uh, I would like to use it as a kind of a creative output eventually, but I just I haven't I haven't made it a priority at all. And uh, I'm just really not that good at it anymore. So I do struggle with it now. But I was okay. All right, so I want to move forward to when you left that area and moved to LA. So other than the obvious improvements in weather coming from where you were to where you are now, why did you move to LA and what did you want to do for a living when you got there? Gosh, you know, honestly, it was as simple as the weather initially. Uh, So I was visiting a buddy out here who I grew up with just down the street from me back in Green Bay. And he moved out here a couple of years prior to me moving out. And I was visiting him on a, a traveling show. And then I came out to LA and visited him a couple of times. And he's just like, dude, just move out here. And I'm like, you know what? That's a great idea. And uh, I was living in Minneapolis at the time. 
and I, I headed back and it was like so I moved out here in May so it was you know January when I came out or January or something like that and it was obviously freezing back home so mm-hmm. I came back home I'm like you know what fuck it I'm gonna just move and so I I walked into the office probably you know I I say that minute I walked off the plane and ran to the office and quit but I'm sure there was a few days in between, uh, but <laughs> so I went <laughs> but, it, but it felt that way yeah exactly you know it's definitely a movie scene so I, I walked in and uh, after I'm sure some consideration and talking with my buddy out here Tyler I'm like yeah all right I'm I'm gonna quit and a, literally a few weeks later I canceled the lease at my apartment. And uh, I left my job and packed everything up, and uh, and I drove off to uh, to LA. Oh my god, that's a horrible story too. My brother and I almost crashed our our truck in the U-Haul trailer. What were the steps that led to you then becoming the production coordinator at Extreme Makeover Home Edition? <laughs> uh, let's see. So i I was with the bank for five years, HSBC. And I was with them in Green Bay, promoted to Minneapolis and tried to leave them in Minneapolis and came out to LA. But they were so amazing. And I had a good relationship with them that they found me a position out here. But the closest thing they could match me up to was a position 50 miles one way. So I was commuting 100 miles in LA traffic each day. And obviously, that is like enough to... Just want to yeah, blow just, your brains out, right? Unbearable. Yeah. yeah. So I did that for a year. Uh, so my roommate at the time was working for... No, he, I'm sorry. He did work for Extreme. And then uh, our buddy had, was still working for Extreme Makeover. And uh, they said they had a position opening up uh, the next season. And I you know, I figured, hey, what the hell? I'll, you know, I'll, I'll go interview for it and show them how... You know, I've I've managed banks, I've managed new hires. Like I can I can transfer my skills into being the coordinator for the show. I can I can figure it out. I have definitely transferable skills. I can I can make this happen, and they bought it. So <laughs> so I uh, so I was the production coordinator for three years for uh, Extreme Makeover, and that's the one uh, with Ty Pennington. And you know, they go knock down the house and the big, the whole uh, move that bus one, right? You know, a lot of people who hear this are like, oh my god, this is this is freaking incredible. What are the misconceptions that people may have about that type of job? In other words, you're you're around all these cool celebrities all the time in Hollywood, um, you know, doing this doing this work on the show. What are the misconceptions about that? It is not as cool as you'd think, and it is way fucking cooler than you'd think. I love that. And, th- and we're going to talk about this too, because this, this is in your sort of lane of giving. You know, I was listening to something last night that Kim was telling me, my wife, Kim, and you'll dig this. So there's a um, church in uh, the Netherlands and they've got these uh, people from Serbia that came in. And if they, it's like a political thing. If they go back to Serbia, their lives are in danger. So the church, there's a law in the Netherlands that says that the police can't go into the church as long as there's an active service. So for the last 45 days, they've been doing church services no. 24 hours a day to protect them. No way. Incredible, right? So when you hear community, you're like, I mean, they're literally going 24 hours a day. They're having different preachers come in and priests and whatever. That's um, insane. Services. That's so cool. Yeah. Well, it's I mean, to it's figure horrible, it out. but it's, it's yeah. like the, it's, the support is amazing. It's amazing. Okay, so... Then you slowly started to evolve into the world of digital media. Can you take me back 
to when your brother and sister-in-law moved to LA and you started stepping into growing, helping them grow their online brands. Why did you decide to step into that world? What was the prompts there? So Extreme Makeover finished and uh, they decided not to come back for the 10th season. And uh, like the network didn't pick them up for the 10th season. So it, we, we all obviously parted ways. During the time I was always working out and running and whatnot, uh, even traveling in the show. So we'd do like 12, 14 hour days and I'd still try to fit in run and runs and workouts in. Fun note, I actually hosted a Biggest Loser. This was Biggest Loser was so big. I hosted a Biggest Loser for the crew. And so I, I would help everyone and we'd they would all work out and they'd pitch in their money. And so th- throughout like four months, we would host a Biggest Loser competition. At the end, you know, everyone was down weight and uh, one, one or two of the people would win the money. It was really cool. Oh, that's uh, awesome. Yeah, super fun. So that got me into... Not just a pointless story. That got me into uh, personal training because the job and whatnot with extreme was so extreme, <laughs> uh, <laughs> so stupid. It was it was super hard to stay healthy. You're traveling, eating food, drinking stuff like that. So I kind of like my, my pendulum swung, and I got into personal training and really wanted to take it to the next level, but quickly realized that there's like no money in it. You know, you're you're working really hard. Really hard. I mean, you are slaying it. If you're working 12 hours a day, you know, you're you're maxed out, you know. So traditionally, there's not too much money in it, right? And uh my ability to help anyone was just like super limited. So Chris and Lori come to me to ask for help for their first for Lori's big first annual event. And so I very part-time came on and helped them with the event and I'm a I'm a researcher by nature. And so they're like, hey, we want to keep you on. And we want you to just learn shit. Like, how epic is this? How epic is it for them to say this? Like, we want to pay you to learn stuff and to help our businesses grow. And they did, which is really interesting because as their brand grew, they started making money and then they invested. God, it's got to be hundreds of thousands of dollars in your education, which has allowed you to, in turn, grow their business even higher. And now you're not going to like this, but now you're one of the top experts in the world of product creation, launches, lead generation, Facebook ads. And there's, there's, okay, so there's so many places that we can go with all of this, but we have to pick a lane. So I thought what we would do is talk about some of the major, maybe pitfalls that you see people making as they attempt to grow their brand online. So, you know, you've, you've got this massive education. As a result of the education, you've grown this massive brand that's in the multiple millions of dollars with uh, Chris and Lori Harder. And a lot of people come to you. Uh, you have your own media company right now. A lot of people come to you with advice. So... A couple of questions that I just want to ask that I think would help somebody who is either, you know, a budding influencer or somebody that maybe, you know, has a, a personality that they want to sort of roll into courses or masterminds or something like that. What are the Lego blocks that they should start with? In other words, if they want to start getting traction on Instagram or YouTube or Facebook ads, what would you recommend that they master first? 
so before it slips my mind, I just wanted to bounce back to like Chris and Lori. I want to publicly put it on record that like I'm so grateful that they were willing to take a chance and just be like, we're gonna allow you to figure this out because they could have easily gone elsewhere and they could have parted ways after the event. They could a number of things could happen. So I just want to make sure that I'm fully transparent that like I'm so eternally grateful for them. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean like they they literally put you through college. Yeah. I mean I didn't go to any college. I pierced pieced it together. So like they've paid for like going to different events and going through meeting with like the top Facebook people in the world who just bring in you know who spend like a few million on their own brand each month in Facebook ads. Like being able to carve out some time and meeting with these people because of their relationship with them has just been amazing. So yeah, it's it's been huge. So okay, so uh, to answer that question, like, what would you do right now? So you know, I'm I'm picturing somebody who they've got a day job and they either are they're they just want to do something more, and you know. I'm sure a lot of people have gotten just like that itch. They want to because you know the side hustle, right, is such a, a a term right now, and that people are getting that itch. And entrepreneur entrepreneurism is cool right now, right? So I'm I'm picturing somebody who is in that world and or in the in that uh, kind of ballpark and wants to grow something. So, but they don't have a product. They don't really know where to start. A couple things that really helped me was it's a super old book, uh, not super old, but it's it's uh, Brendan Bouchard's. I think it's like his first book, and I think it's called The Millionaire Messenger. Mm-hmm. And Great. I remember Chris and I reading that, and we would shoot messages back and forth. I, this is probably pre-text message, so like we'd actually pick up the phone call and uh, like shoot emails back and forth. We would read that book, and I listened to it. M- Tons of times on audio as well, and it has been kind of the basis. And it's just it's a super basic book, but it's been the basis of like brainstorming and dreaming, and it really got me thinking. Like, holy shit, you can you could create a million dollar income for yourself, which is ludicrous, by the way. Like that is absolutely crazy that people think that a million dollars is like the first step, right? Like, oh, I'm going to quit my $30,000 a year job and make a million dollars next year. It's just crazy that people think that that is like the... Oh, I'm not successful until I've done a million dollars a year in my own business. That's just a side rant. Like, We need to pump the brakes a little bit and really look at like, what are you valuing? If, if you're happy and you're making a few hundred thousand in your, in your own business, like that is the life. Um, if if you're content, if you're not, keep growing it. You know, change something something up. But if that's what makes you happy, that's that's pretty epic. And back to like somebody starting out, trying to get somebody some tangible stuff is that book. And then a book that I'm currently reading is Ready Fire Aim. A really good book, and it just talks about like you need to come up with one product, one product to start becoming profitable. Biggest mistake and pitfalls, like you'd said, that I've seen is so many people being spread too thin in the in their ideas, right? So they just have a million different ideas and they just don't execute on anything. So they have a 
bunch of different ideas like, oh, I want to do this course. And then I'm also going to launch my uh, clothing line. And oh, check this out. I'm going to also have uh, an ebook and stuff like that. All great. It's fine to have multiple avenues and verticals. It's fine. And it's, it's great. It's what makes you diverse, diversified. But the problem is, if you have too many hallways to go down, right? You're just going to sit there and not go down any of them. So pick a pathway. Just pick one. That's like the biggest thing is like pick a pathway. So it's, it's really challenging to have that full circle of idea to completion, to execution, to completion. It's really challenging to have that in one person, in one brain. So whether you're hiring a consultant, whether you're hiring somebody to do some of the work for you, or just bouncing ideas off with friends and like going to events and going to like your mastermind like that so many people are going to grow from from your masterminds and going to things like that where you can get around the people with some other ideas and some other know-how and listen you, like you said in one of your recent posts your mastermind's not for everyone so somebody starting off may maybe making $50,000 in their side hustle right they don't have the resources necessarily to pay to get around big players, right? But what can you do? Podcasts. I have educated myself through YouTube, through podcasts, through e-courses that are a fraction, mostly free, but a fraction of the price to get in front of these people. And so figure out what you need to learn, go learn it, and then implement what they say. And just stick to that one path and do all those steps in that one path. So figure it out, all the way through the end. And then once your one product is profitable, now you can start to branch off into different things. But like I said, if you're just if you have scattered focus, it's going to be really challenging to even execute on that one product or one idea. Yeah, I love that. All right. So let's let's go down, let's drill it down a little bit deeper. So let's go into like the 80-20. When you think of the most successful people that you know online, what are the 20% of things that they're doing that are probably responsible for 80% of their results? Ooh, good question. One thing I would say is that I'm a big firm believer of what Gary Vee preaches and a lot of his mentality is just the jab, jab, jab or the give, 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 ask, right? So if you haven't read his book, Jab, 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 Right Hook, it's a few years old. It's all around just giving great content, giving great ideas, giving all your stuff away for free that you can, and then asking. Once you've, once you've built up that um, kind of bank account of amazing stuff that you've given away, it's okay to ask for, hey, by the way, I'm launching this product now. And if you've loved all my free stuff, you know, you're going to really love this paid product of X whatever it is. So the biggest thing I see that people aren't doing is just not properly launching, not properly giving away free content and just saying, "Hey, buy my shit, buy my shit, buy my shit," right? They they're not like they're not serving their community, not serving their followers properly. They're literally just using them as a ATM and that's not a good way to build long-term. Yeah, you might be able to get them Buy and you might be able to make some money off of them initially, but that is not a long-term play. I am all about just serving the hell out of people and not asking for anything in return initially. 
uh, and and if they don't pay up down the road, big deal. Like you know that you've given out amazing content and you've changed some lives and helped people out. So to get back to your to your question is, I would say give out more amazing stuff, really up your content game, and actually make it like tangible good stuff. Don't just post to post, but have some intention behind what you're sharing, what you're filming, things like that. And not just to get things out there, but really try to help some people and give it away for free initially. And I tell you what, you help, you know, help enough people, you're definitely going to get paid well. Yeah, it's su- it's such good advice. I mean, I I know that when I'm, you know, full disclosure, if there's times where I'm like, oh shit, I need to post, I haven't posted anything, those are my worst posts. I would rather not post anything for a week and put something truly heartfelt that really, really is authentic and vulnerable and real and um, out there. That's where the engagement happens. But one of the things that you taught me, and it was really, this is this is a, a brand new lesson for me. I've been around this world for a while, but I never really understood things like Facebook and Instagram ads. And I want to dig in a little bit on that because you taught me a strategy last week that I just, I mean, so, you know, somebody listening who's more seasoned be like, duh, but I, I did, I didn't understand it. And, and basically what you taught me was, you know, to create a post like you just described where you're upping your content game, something that's really, really good. Take a look at what that engagement looks like. In other words, how many people are liking it and, you know, clicking on it and commenting, etc. And then, pixel those people and then make an ad. So can you sort of walk somebody through what that means and maybe give them a little advice how to safeguard their money and not let all their money just blow out the window for Facebook in doing what you're about to explain? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So uh, a couple things come to mind as far as that goes. So I'll address your first thing that what Rob's talking about is it just goes back to what I was just speaking about is giving out good content and then you know possibly asking for a sale at the appropriate time. So one of the strategies that Rob is doing is and and that I really encourage a lot of people to do is give out a bunch of great good content, right? Some really, really good stuff and meaningful stuff. So you're giving this out to, let's say, cold traffic, right? Or lukewarm traffic. Maybe they've liked your page or maybe they've interacted in the past. Um, sorry, sorry to interrupt you. For, for the people that don't understand what that means, cold traffic is like, they don't, know you, they don't know you from a hole in the wall. And warm traffic is they may be a friend of a friend's and they may have had some interactions with you. Um, and hot traffic is people that are raving. Totally, yeah. So sorry about that. Yeah. Thank you for the clarification. The, the, so like yeah. cold traffic, who like they've literally never heard of you, right? You're trying to reach new people. And so you're creating some, some cold traffic posts or some cold traffic ads. And so what do I mean by that? I mean something that's going to be content rich. That, heaven forbid, doesn't have a call to action on it. All you want them to do is look at the post, read the post, get to know you. It's just a branding play. You know, it's it's just like it's Nike's not constantly asking me to buy their shit, right? But yet I love their stuff. And Patagonia, like I've I've become a fan of Patagonia and because of the brand, because of what they believe in, stuff like that. So it's it's not always a call to action that needs to happen on your posts. And it's not always a go buy my stuff or anything like that, especially initially. Build up that good um, engagement. 
on your page with good quality posts. And you can set a audience. Uh, you can ha- tell Facebook in your ads manager under audiences. You can create a new audience. I'm going to get a little tactical. You can create a new audience. And you can tell it to track the people who have engaged with your Facebook page and or your Instagram page. And you can set the time frame. So if you want to track people who have watched a video or have interacted and engaged with your page in the last 60 days, you can do that. And then take those people and that is when you show them maybe a little more content rich, maybe a little more of an ask after they've seen a couple different posts from you. Because now you've warmed them up. Because you're putting it in front of people who actually care and have resonated with your brand, they're more likely to enter their email to opt in for your ebook, or they're more likely to subscribe and join you on a webinar and things like that. So that's the best thing I could say is warm up your audience with some good content and traffic plays or video view ads and retarget them or target the people who have interacted with your page with some good content and maybe an ask for an email or something like that. And you'll have a much better conversion rate and you'll have a much much better ROI on that second layer of ads than you would if you're just blasting that out to cold traffic. Here's what I saw that after you told me to do this and we said, let's talk about money Mm -hmm. a little bit. So I set a very small budget and the budget was five five bucks a day. That's you can start with, what is that? $150 a month. It's $300 a month to run some ads. You know you're getting a return on investment. You know you're going to make your 300 bucks back if you just put a little effort into it. So it doesn't take much. They don't have to have a... Listen, I've spent over a half a million dollars in Facebook ads in just a couple of years, right? So it doesn't take a giant budget to do this. You can start with $5 a day, $2 a day. One of your ads, Rob, is running $3 a day and it's so zeroed in on targeting that it's only going to the proper people and it's so it's super efficient. Yeah, it's, ama- it's amazing. Okay, so now you, now you got this thing that's, that's up and running. You can create the content and you could even... What you taught me is you can even take that 5 bucks a day and say, you know what? These three or four posts were good. So let's put these three or four posts in a quote ad set. And that set means that it's going to serve up these ads to different people at different times, but it's going to be these three or four ads that I know work. And we're going to pixel those people. And then those pixels are going to be on the other ads. So it's like you got these two plates that are spinning, right? You got the pixel capture plate. And then you got the other one that's spinning, which is the actual ad of all the people's that you people that you pixeled. So I, I tell you, here's what my experience is. Since I did that, I learned, I started getting messages from people that I have not heard from in six months. And I'm like, where are these people coming from? Like I have not, and I it dawned on me that Facebook is a play. Pay, Facebook now Instagram is a pay to play business. So if you're not if you're not paying anything and you're just putting your stuff up there, it's only going to go to the people that you're interacting with and whatever the algorithm serves it serves them. But if you're willing to pay, it's going to spread it out to your network in a much bigger way. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. And then, then there's so many people, you know, you know, how many times have you heard recently and that other people have probably said it or heard that, oh, Facebook's getting so expensive. 
Of course, but it's but it's 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 pennies on it's the dollar compared to what it's going to be. You know how much it costs to run a freaking commercial or a billboard, and what do you do? You you don't even watch the commercial. You fast forward through it. You you're streaming it on. Uh, Netflix, you're not even watching commercials, whatever. And or you're flying past a billboard, you're not watching it because the person in your uh, passenger seat is on their phone anyway. So why wouldn't you use the proper tools out there and really target the proper people? Without freaking anybody out, the targeting is insane. The targeting of Facebook and Instagram that they have, their ad platform is insane. It's so amazing. Yeah, if you're looking for a bodybuilder that you know lives in Georgia that drives a, that walks a dog named Fifi, you, you can target him. I mean, <laughs> I want to see this guy. Uh, yeah, he's he's my neighbor. <laughs> All right, so I want to move into the second part of the show where we're going to talk about the art of fulfillment. We just talked about the science of achievement. Now we're going to talk about the art of fulfillment. So most people run. You know, they jog. They run. They say, you know, I run all the time. And I say, how often do you run? They go, I run almost every day. No, they don't. Not every single day. Like you do where you ran every single day for over a thousand days in a row, never missed one day. So there's a million questions, but I'm going to keep it short. (laughs) Can you describe why you did that and how making that one decision has impacted other areas of your life. Yeah, absolutely. I've been running since high school, right? And not every day. Don't worry. Relax, people. I've been running since high school and middle school and I ran track and cross country and stuff like that. So it was always like kind of built into my DNA. But then there's definitely a few years that I didn't run like at all. Started January. I've been I've done a, you know, a handful of marathons, six, seven marathons. I've done an ultra marathon, you know, anything. I, I've done all I've done a lot of that stuff, but one of the cool things, and it's a big trend right now, is like streaking and not the woo, we're going streaking through the quad, but you know, just in right. in a row. Uh, so I'm like, all right, so you know, January or December, I'm thinking about you know what I want to do next year, and this was back in 2015, December, uh, and so I was like, you know, I think next year I'll just I'm going to run every day. I'm just going to run every day, see if I can do it. Seems like a cool thing to do, a little challenge. And so 366 days, I think that was a leap year, 366 days in a row. And uh, I did it. It really wasn't a decision that I was going to run every day. It was like, that's ah, a good goal. That's my mindset at that point. What that did for me... So it's been over a 1,000 days, 1,000 and uh, almost 1,100 days now. So almost three years. I'll come up with three years. What that making that decision was... Of that, when a true decision is made, it's like you cut ties, right? So if you've read the book, Tony Robbins' old book, I want to say I always want to say "Unleash the Giant Within," but that's, I think it is. Is it? You, no, it's no. It's, you're combining yes, two. One I always is unlimited, combine the one two. Is, yes, I always yeah, combine. One is unlimited. <laughs> one is unlimited power, and the second one is "Unleash the Giant Within." No, no, no. It's you're doing it too. It's so there's "Unleash the Power Within" UPW. Is the event? <laughs> I just did it too. You're right. Awaken. It's unlimited. It's okay, no, 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 hold on, hold on. I got, it, I got there's it. There's also unlimited power. I got it. <laughs> it's unlimited power. You're right. There's unlimited power, and then there's awaken the awaken giant. Awaken the giant within. And I have listened to that book seven or eight times, and 
and I still I, I, one of the things that really sticks out that I kind of live by is like his he talks about making a decision and he talks about the uh, what decision truly like the the I don't know what the terminology is but like the background of the word decision and where it comes from and I think it's called kaidir like day and then t- kaidir and it's to literally mean to cut so it's to cut and to cut away and what he translated that into basically was like you're literally cutting ties with the wishy-washy shit and you're making a true decision at that point that yes I am going to do X. In my case, it is yes, I am going to run every day at, for 365 days in a row in 2016. And what I've come to realize that has done for me, and this is where it, it might help some people, is it has made all my other runs easy. Not, not the runs necessarily, but the decision, quote unquote, is not there anymore. The decision to... Am I going to run today? Everyone asks me that, especially on travel days. Um, if I'm out of town somewhere, on event days, if we're on vacation, the super common question is, oh, are you going to run today? Or did you run today? And it's not even... It's as if I brushed my teeth, asking me if I'm going to brush my teeth today. It's crazy to me. Because of course I am. Like it's I, I made that decision three years ago that I'm running every day. Like What, what do you mean? Why, why are you asking me this? This is interesting. You know, I remember reading that book and I remember, I've heard him say it a couple of times mm-hmm. since. And if, from what I remember, it's, it's something like decision comes from the Latin root word incision, which means to cut off from all options. Thank you. Yeah. Um, I yeah, yeah. mutilated which that. Is, that's okay. Which is so interesting to me because one of the things he said, I don't know if you ever heard him say this, but he said, there's kind of like three steps with a decision. The first one is decide, mm-hmm. like I'm deciding that I'm going to run every day. And then the second one is committing to it. Yep. Where like, okay, I'm going to do this. That's where the decision comes mm-hmm. in. And then the third step is resolve, which is it's already done. Yeah. And it's fascinating to me that you're so hardwired into this. But I guess my question is, when does it stop? Oh my God. <laughs> you know? So like, when does it stop? So you, are you, you know, you have a baby, <laughs> you know, your wife's pregnant, you got to go to the hospital. Those are all you hypotheticals like, that he just lifted off, yeah, by the way. Yeah. Hypotheticals. Like what, like, like, it, is there a point where, because now you're so wrapped up mm-hmm. into this thing mm-hmm. that how do you break a five-year streak? You know yeah. what I mean? Like when does, when, when do you like make peace with the fact that that's, you know, today's going to be the day. So to reference, to, to put a bow on what I was mentioning was like the reason it made my runs easier to elaborate on that is I'm not deciding if I'm going to run today. And that's where so many people fail, I believe. And it's put it, put it on whatever you're challenged with, right? So it's not go to the gym, right? It's so many, especially January's coming up, right? Depending on when this airs, it, you set your New Year's resolutions, which are horseshit anyway, but you, you know, it's a great attempt. If you're challenged with something, whether it's going to the gym, whether it's reading daily, whether it's building your business, whatever it is, if you're once you make a true decision, the other stuff just falls away. So what it's transitioned into me it, it, to me is, it's not am I going to run today? And again, put this wherever it works for you guys. It's when and how am I going to fit it in today? Huge difference. Huge difference, huge mindset difference for me. And it's like, oh, 
I, well, shit, I have to fly my flights at 6 a.m. LAX, I have to get there like 14 days before. So <laughs> I have multiple times I have run at 3 a.m. before a flight. Are you ever pissed about it? You know what I'm pissed about? I'm pissed about the fucking flight and that we booked it so early. I'm not. I'm not mad about the run. <laughs> so the run doesn't bother you. It's no. the fact that, that that the that the logistics were not built around it. Yeah, and I'll go do, and it's not just like a oh, it's a one mile. It's like three, four, five, maybe a ten mile run. You know, so I'm I'm putting in some good mileage, and so it, it once I made that transition to win. I, and when am I going to do it? And how am I going to fit it in today? It totally changed my mindset. And then my mind just t- figured it out. You know what's amazing? I just I just thought of something. You and your brother are, are known for two different things. He's known for reading 30 books in 30 days. But let's be honest. He's sitting on the couch. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> I'll, leave, I'll, I'll leave it there. You can tell him I said that. You know what I'm going to say? Here's what I'm going to say. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw something out there for you to consider. What if you threw a party of like come up with a number of how many days you want to do? Let's let's call it an even three years. That you're the guy that ran for three years and you just like Seinfeld made a decision to say we want to go out at the top. What if you make a decision at the end of three years that you go, okay, I ran for three years and I'm gonna do the opposite now. I'm gonna force myself to take tomorrow off. Yeah. The cool thing is, I I feel like so now. Don't get me wrong. There are people. There's this amazing old guy who I see running daily. He's been doing it for like thirty some years. The guy is legit. Never ran. Never missed a day. Never missed a day in thirty never, years. In thirty plus years, the the guy's amazing. There's guys who do this, right? This is a big thing. Uh, now, there's not too many people who make it past like a thousand days or anything like that. It's it's pretty rare, but there's still people doing it for sure. But I don't want to do that because he he's amazing. I give him so much respect. But I don't want that to be my only thing. So that's where it differs. Like I'm kind of contradicting myself. Like it gives me significance, but I don't want it to be my only thing. So I've I've been thinking like maybe I take up karate and I go learn that and master that and something else. I, I don't know. So yeah, I I think like forcing myself, like you said, like, all right, I'm gonna take a day off. Cause I literally so during my, you know, I'll run to the gym and I'll, and I'm still getting in my workouts and stuff like that. And I'm still competing in marathons and stuff like that. So it really hasn't been, you know, there's been no day, no day off. Well, you're really making an interesting point. The interesting point I think is that you have to replace it with something else. I do. I, I, I do. And I have to figure out what that is. I love that. All right. We'll keep talking about that. Some random questions. What does a typical Saturday morning look like for you? Usually, so every morning starts the same. I get up um, fairly early. I make a shake and uh, I take said shake and I go on a walk with my dog. And we cover uh, 30 minutes. So what's that, about a mile, a little over a mile. And uh, we walk, walk, walk along the ocean and we look at the sea lions and the boats. So I live on the water and the marina and the ocean here. And every morning is the same and I love it. It's awesome. So Saturdays really... I'm pretty excited because I feel like I have, you know, six Saturdays and a Sunday, right? Um, Sunday's reserved for God and football. The, the rest are all Saturdays and it's pretty epic. So there's a little distinction between work and play for me. That's amazing. If you could spend one month anywhere in the world, where would it be and why? You know, this sounds horrible. 
I, I haven't studied a ton uh, and really actively pushed myself to figure out where I want to go. But off the top of my head, I would say Italy. Italy for a month. Love it. Love it. If you could only go to one restaurant before you die, where would your last meal be? Oh, Sugarfish Sushi. It's the best, freshest tasting sushi. It's just up the street. Is that in LA? Yeah. Okay. Do you collect anything or have you ever collected anything? Baseball cards as a kid and uh, or baseball and football cards as a kid and I still have all of them back home. Uh, no, nothing else really. Currently, no. You know, we all spend way too much time in front of a computer. What, you particularly, what strategies do you have in place to get more human connection? Mm, the, so <laughs> this might be a good one for people. I'm a self-proclaimed introvert. I haven't done any testing. But uh, I once I got Ozzy, my dog, three, four years ago, it, it's really forced me. And now it's a habit to take him out a couple times a day and we go for long, longer walks. So at like 2 o'clock, 2 to 3 o'clock, it's like, get up, whatever I'm doing, it stops and it's walk time with him. And we'll go and get a green juice or something, you know, right? And uh, what that has done is forced me or I've kind of forced myself to... It's given me opening lines to talk with people more. Right. So it's everybody loves dog. Hey, you got multiple dogs. It's like, oh, hey, yeah, look at us. We're dog owners. Blah, 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 right. Super easy connect versus before, especially in LA where people don't even want to smile at you. Having him has made it really a, a lot easier to become even more sociable with my community around me, with the people in my complex the people on the street, et cetera. That's really been helpful. That is a great answer. All right, so we're going to move into the rapid fire round. The answer is quickly or as slowly as you'd like. All right. It is basically a first thing that comes to mind rounds. Ooh, this could get me in trouble, Rob. What, what would your friends <laughs> say is one of your superpowers? Oof, how rapid is this? Uh, commitment, maybe? What is one of the things you're afraid of right now? I'm afraid of stopping running and not having that label of significance of something. What keeps you up at night? Nothing. I sleep like a boss, man. I, I am such a good sleeper. What do people never ask you, but you wish they did? How I stick to and or build my character. I think it's a strong point that I have that I am a very stand-up person and I have kind of a jokey personality but I really feel that my character and my authenticity and my um, my level of like just be a good personness is <laughs> my integrity. There we go. I, I feel like it's just really fucking high, and I and I and and I and I'm gonna take it and I'm gonna brag on it and I'm gonna boast on it. I don't even care because I feel that other people need to do it more. I love that. You are a relentlessly giving person um, with really high ethics and morals. Where do you think that came from? God. Um, well, that's a good answer. God, I guess. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I believe it. You know, it, it's become a, a couple things. I've worked on it. It's, it's, it's literally having those internal conflict conversations where I've worked on it and I've I've turned around and said, oh no, 
the right thing to do is go back and do XYZ. I have called people months later and said, you know what? I should have apologized or I should have done this or I should have called you on your birthday months later. And I and I harp on it in my mind for for months and I, and I don't let it go. And and the other people are like, oh, I didn't even realize, right? So I don't know where it, it's come from. It's really something I've consciously tried to work on because that that is what my character... I want my character to be. It's just a good human. But I think also... I had a I had an amazing childhood. I had a really amazing family. Like I didn't want for anything. My parents would do anything for us. They supported us in anything we wanted to do. Look, Chris and I both dropped out of college. We both dropped out of college. I have an associate degree because I went to a, a little tech college, but we both dropped out of college and they're like, "Great. What are you going to do?" Like they were supportive in in helping us, but then they're also like Okay, but what's going to replace it? Like, what are you going to do? And I, I don't know where this is going. Uh, my grandpa was such, a, in my mind, you know, we always think about the great stuff. And my grandpa was such an amazing human. My dad's dad. Uh, my dad's such an amazing human. My mom is so great and just the most loving person I've ever met. And and my brother, you know, I th- I really think family has had such a huge thing for us. So I, I think that. You know, to not really able to be able to nail nail it down, I really think my family had so much to do with it. Yeah, I can tell you, looking in from the outside, I've asked your brother this question too on one of the podcast interviews because I found him, you know, to be somebody who really has a great character as well. And he struggled for the answer, but at the end of the day, he felt the same way you did that it came from you know your parents and for sure having known both of your parents i could see that's where it came from but what you know what a beautiful gift um as a father myself to be able to hear that and realize that so many of these things by osmosis get handed down to our kids so we better be really sensitive and careful to how we show up do you know what jackie just told me 2 days ago hmm. she's talking about kids and stuff like that and she's like i know who you're i know who you're like your dad bar is you know, what I would want to be as a dad. And I go, oh, who? And she said, you. Oh, wow. And I'm That's like... great compliments. And I'm like, you're right. I think you you guys, you and Kim together, um, I love... First of all, I love the love that you guys have between each other. And then the, the way that Sophia is becoming just like an awesome little human. And then the way that you're still not letting your personal life end, which is so huge, right? There's so many people who just live for their kids, which I think is, it's it's amazing. You know, the love that you give for your kids and they live for their kids. But you guys are determined to have Sophia and any other kids that may, you know, and Demi, of course, fit into your life and the things that you want to do. And you're determined to give them awesome experiences as well. So you're like, no, we're going to have awesome experiences. We're a family who travels and you are part of this family. So therefore you travel as well. Like you guys are, you guys are pretty epic. <laughs> oh man, that is a, that's a great, that's a great epic compliment. What is, <laughs> what is your guilty pleasure? I will crush a bag of pop chips. Pop <laughs> chips. Yeah, that's not that's not too is that fun. A, is that a particular type of chips? Yeah, yeah, it's like a, it's supposed to be a healthy potato chip, but I'll just plow through a bag. I don't even care. Right, nine thousand calories later, it's not so healthy. No, it's, okay, it's not that bad, but uh, I bad. mean, you definitely not. You know, it's 
it says family size on the outside. I'm like, well, I'm one family, so it's fine. <laughs> What's the one thing that you own and probably should throw out, but you never will? Memorable shit from like my grandparents and or my parents. Just like old stuff that I have a fear. I have a lack mentality that I won't be able to get back or anything like that. And there's like... Uh, like I'm looking at a um, an old case from the early 1900s, like an old wooden uh, toolbox from my grandpa. It's sitting in my living room on a beautiful display chest or uh, display of shelves. And it's just, I think it was built in like 1900 something. And it's got beautiful old woodworking shelves and drawers in it. And it's like a, it's a toolbox in reality. It's just an old toolbox, but it is beautifully handcrafted and stuff like that, I would say. I love it. Two more questions. If you had, first one is if you had to give a TED talk on nothing that you're known for, nothing that you speak about, and I'm going to pull running or anything uh, related to online out of it, or anything that you have a passion for, or really anything else at all, what would it be? Okay, I think it would go back to how uh, back to the thing I spoke about about character and really how being a good person can be learned and can be worked on and. Again, it's just those small daily decisions. And here's what happens is the more and more I decide to do the right thing, the easier it becomes for me to do the right thing. And that has the reverse effect of two, right? So the more and more I decide, like if I wasn't on this running street, right? It'd be like, oh, screw it. I'll just... Uh, I just won't run today. And then the next day, it becomes easier to not run. And then so on and so forth. So talking about that. I love it. You know, I did a uh, an interview, as you know, with one of the people that you work with, uh, Evans, who is your sister-in-law's yes. uh, executive assistant. And I asked her the same question. And you're going to get a kick out of this. Her answer uh, to the question was she would give a talk on manners. And I said, why? And she said, if people oh, would just put... Yeah, she said, if people would just put their damn shopping cart back. <laughs> and... So the moment that you said that, I was like, no. I have heard I have heard shopping cart twice in all these podcast interviews I've done, and they were both back to back, and they're both two people that work together. No How about that? I'm gonna, I'm, way. I'm gonna let you talk with her about that. You mentioned shopping cart to her, and you guys are gonna have a freaking laugh. I mean, there's a reason that. We love her, and uh, apparently, we, so we absolutely love having her on the team. It, then, then we would be lost without her. Yeah, and nobody would put their damn shopping carts away. <laughs> no. I love that. <laughs> so, last question. We'll change it up a little bit. What one question do you want to ask me? It's not so much a question, but talk about the fear and the excitement you have going from leaving you the profession that you know so well you could do in your sleep to venturing into something just fucking off the wall that the world so needs, but that you didn't have much knowledge at uh, when you first started learning about it. And and you've I know I've seen you over the years work on this. So this isn't like a flip of the switch, but I know it's in, a, in the grand scheme of things, it's going to be a flip of a switch, right? So talk about how you've, for like 20 plus years, you've been this amazing chiropractor and there's got to be some fear involved switching up and going to something else and really having that like, I mean, you're starting a, a young man's game, a new business. Yeah, it's a, it's a really great question. Um, so here's how I would answer it. On the one hand, because you know I had 25 years in chiropractic doing the same thing over and over again, 
the last 10 of those years, my soul has been eroding slowly mm. because I've been doing something I don't want to do. So the excitement to not have that dead feeling inside of me of, you know, sort of like the walking dead going into my office, which is terrible to say <laughs> as a doctor, yeah. but yeah, it's totally. honest to have that feeling to not have that anymore and to go into something that I'm over the moon passionate about gives me excitement. So that's the first part of the answer. The second part of the answer is with that excitement comes this battle that I have to do with my head of the negative self-talk that says, you know, sort of imposter syndrome stuff. You know, you've never mm -hmm. done this before. What makes you think you'd be good at this? Can you really do this? You know, it's, it's a lot of money. We have a lot of people are putting a lot of trust in you. Don't let them down. And so there's a lot of uh, self-inflicted stress which really stress I've learned, I've, I've come to realize that stress is really just fear. That's all it is. And so, you know, this is going to sound really crazy, but the event that uh, you and I went to a month or two ago at Lewis House's Summit of Greatness, there was a, yeah. a preacher that was on there. Yeah. And he just kept saying over and over again, I belong. And, you know, he was a guy that, Ooh, that was, was like, so good, wasn't it? Yeah, he was like homeless. And, you know, he was like, he felt inadequate wherever he was. And he's like, I just kept saying, I belong. So every time I feel like, you know, who am I to say that I can do this? I just say to myself, I belong here. I belong here. And in the beginning, I, my brain was like, no, you don't. <laughs> But then, <laughs> but, totally. then, but then eventually it started going, you damn right I belong here. And that started to change things. So that's how I would answer that. Dude, that is... Um, so I feel I feel that imposter syndrome on the daily. And since hearing him, like that was... That has been huge. And it's just like Mel Robbins, you know, 54321 or 12345, whatever. It, it, like there's those little silly hacks that work. And... That that's huge, yeah. And uh, I can't think of his name right now. I f I feel so bad. Uh, the hip hop preacher. Yes, but yes, I don't know his uh, first name. I just know you no. can Google the hip hop preacher, and you will have more videos, and you know what to do with. And that was a really good question, my friends. That's why I have a podcast. That's why you have a podcast. <laughs> I cannot tell you how grateful I am uh, for you in my life on so many levels. So I want to thank you personally. Um, this was even better than I thought it was going to be. Do you have any final words, suggestions, or an ask for the people that are listening? Couple things. You're fucking good enough. Like you're good enough to be happy. You're you're worth being happy. So go, even if it's a side job, like start pursuing something that you want to do. And literally, if it's just a few hours a day, and like, okay, where are you going to find it? Wake up earlier. Wake up earlier. I wake up in the fours and fives every day. Like, figure it out because you deserve to be happy. Like, it's, and like you said, like, it's, it sucks being miserable for years and years. And not that you're so miserable, but like, just you're worth and you belong. Like, go do something that makes you happy. And it's, it's easier, but it's harder than you think. So it's easier to go do it. So, what's the worst that happens? You go back and do, get a regular job. You go do something that you know you, you can do. But what's the best that could happen? Like, why aren't we asking ourselves that? So really think about like, what's the best that could happen? Freaking love it. Dude, thank you so much for doing this.
No problem. Um, and if anybody like if people have questions or whatever, they can hit me up on you know Instagram or Facebook or you know whatever. It's fine. Uh, I'll be happy to. I don't. I I've got nothing to sell you. I've got no courses anything like that. But I can you know I can at least direct you in some right directions. And uh, you know I'm happy to help um, answer any questions and help get you off the off the ground if need be. Awesome. And we'll link we'll link up to all of your socials in the show notes. Awesome. All right, buddy. Thanks again. All right. Thanks for listening. If you love this episode and you know someone that needs some help in either stepping up their work hard game or their play hard game, it would mean the world to me if you shared this podcast with them to help me get this movement out there. So if you like what you heard, head on over to iTunes, take 30 seconds and leave me a five-star review and I will be forever grateful. So until the next episode, excuses are over. It's time to live. 